earlier I was talking about uh, the return to the workplace for more people as we move further away from the pandemic. And I know some of my friends have said they're happy to be back in the workplace because they get to interact with all their colleagues. And some of my friends are saying that's why they don't want to go back to the workplace. They don't always want to interact with their colleagues, especially when it comes to conversations that can be divisive. Well, let's throw it out there. How about politics? Well, how do you address those people who have loud opinions that you may not agree with and you're not a talk show host? And how do you just make sure that everyone is able to approach some tricky topics civilly? My next guest, Sandy Herskovitz, is an Associate Dean, Future Fund Professor in Equity, Diversity and Inclusion at the University of Calgary, has written a great piece in the conversation.com. Encourage you to check it out. Sandy, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much for inviting me, Angela. And I'm sure you've heard that as well. Some people love to get back to the office, but at the same time, sometimes the workplace can be a little contentious. You wanted to focus on the whole idea of what bystanders do when they're watching maybe a conversation go sideways? Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've studied bystander intervention for a number of years, and my research has looked at the circumstances under which bystanders choose to intervene in workplace mistreatment. Um, and mistreatment comes in many different forms. So it can be minor, uh, some of the things you were talking about at the beginning, um, just sort of tensions, rude behavior, discourteous, or it can also be um, threatening behaviors or even rarely physical altercations. And so my work tries to understand how bystanders react when they win this workplace mistreatment how they react should they react and then actually why they even get involved so uh, help me out here because sometimes it sounds like this research could be applied to even kids growing up when there's the the bully who seems to be picking on someone and you've got the bystanders standing around going should i get involved maybe sandy the idea of why bystanders want to just stay bystanders yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It can be quite threatening to intervene. You don't know how the perpetrator is going to react. You don't know uh, whether you're going to be helpful. Um, so some of my earlier work actually finds that bystanders tend to intervene quite rarely, maybe only 10 to 15 percent of the time. And instead, they tend to focus their attention on the targets or the victims by helping them out, trying to give them some support. Uh, but when bystanders do intervene, they tend to do so because they're angry at the perpetrator and they think that they behaved unfairly. And that can lead them to engage in kind of punishing behaviors towards the perpetrator. Um, We also find that powerful people tend to be more likely to uh, perceive a duty to intervene. But what I find really interesting is that we focus a lot of attention on trying to get bystanders to intervene. Uh, Many organizations have bystander intervention training and a lot of research advocates for intervention, but we actually really don't know very much about whether intervention is effective. So in my latest research, we asked the question, how do perpetrators react when bystanders intervene? And the answer to that question, I think, is quite important because we want people to intervene in ways that will be helpful and not increasing the harm. Um, So yeah, we recently published a paper that argued that actually we need to be quite careful about how we intervene and that perpetrators who engage in workplace mistreatment probably feel quite justified in how they're behaving and don't see themselves as aggressors. So when bystanders intervene, that can challenge them and make them feel threatened, um, which can result in some backlash. 
I'm so glad you mentioned uh, the perpetrator because it obviously depends on what that perpetrator is like as an individual as well. So a bystander, let's say it is a workplace situation, would I'd like to think that bystander has a pretty good idea of the personality of that perpetrator, which would then play into whether or not he or she even decides to intervene. Yeah, absolutely. If someone um, perceives them to be, you know, a difficult personality, someone who's not going to be receptive to feedback, then intervening probably won't get through. The person won't be receptive to that kind of feedback and they won't get involved at all. You're right. All right, though, as far as the perpetrator, what if there's a power imbalance between the perpetrator and the bystander? Like the perpetrator could be your supervisor, your superior. Absolutely. And our research finds that, first of all, when the bystander has lower power, they're much less likely to intervene in the first place, which makes sense. You don't want to lose your job over uh, getting involved in something. Um, But also that when the bystander has less power, they're less effective in their intervention. So the more powerful the bystander is relative to the perpetrator, the more likely the perpetrator will be to listen to that intervention and comply with it. I know, uh, Sandy, we're talking a lot about the bystander and the perpetrator. Where does the victim fit in all of this as far as should the, you, you mentioned off the top, maybe the bystander wants to focus on making sure the victim is okay. Is, is that ultimately what we want to accomplish here? Yeah, I think an effective intervention does a couple of things that helps the um, target feel supported and feel like there's someone um, looking out for them and on their side. And it also hopefully um, directs the perpetrator to behave differently in the future or tries to correct the behavior so that it doesn't happen again. Um, But you're right, the target really um, needs the support in these moments of tension. My guest this afternoon is Sandy Herskovitz. She is Associate Dean and Future Fund Professor in Equity, Diversity and Inclusion at the University of Calgary. Okay, so let's just lay it out here because someone may be listening and saying, you know, I'm in a workplace like that. I know exactly that perpetrator and I always look the other way. Uh, What advice do you have for them as they're trying to cope with a, a workplace situation? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I think there are a few key considerations that people should consider. Uh, The first is the timing of an intervention. Right now in the workplace, you're talking about a lot of tensions, political tensions, and emotions are running really high. It's not a good time to intervene when people are emotional. You need to wait until heads have cooled down and people are in the headspace to be receptive to feedback. Uh, So I wouldn't recommend intervening in the heat of the moment, uh, especially any feedback that challenges behavior is going to be met with a defensive response if the person isn't calm. Um, Another consideration is when bystanders, um, or rather uh, looking at who should intervene. So um, our research shows that perpetrators, as I mentioned, are more uh, receptive to an intervention by powerful bystander and also by more trusted bystanders. So if you already have a good uh, reputation and a good relationship with the perpetrator, they're going to see you as having um, their best interest at heart and they'll be more willing to be receptive to your feedback. And finally, I think how to intervene is a key question. So we recommend that bystanders focus on the behavior and not on the person. Um, So the intervention should allow perpetrators to save face and shouldn't challenge their morality or their standing in a group. It should really focus only on their actions and how those actions could be Mm. improved. 
because then the perpetrator is less likely to get their back up about something if you're going to be more personal. Exactly. Do you go, would you encourage bystanders to say, uh, take this to a higher level so that the bystander, I think in a lot of situations, doesn't want to be known as the one who got involved, but thinks that this behavior should be brought to the attention of uh, higher ups? Yeah, I think if someone is in a lower power position where they aren't going to be very effective in intervening themselves, um, I would recommend going to uh, the higher power person and having them get involved. Um, We don't want to let you know these behaviors go on in workplaces because it can contribute to um, a workplace that is tense and not inclusive. And so having someone do something about it is important, but um, it has to be the right person. Sandy, I know your research focuses on workplaces, bystanders, but this sounds like stuff you should even be teaching in school, as I mentioned off the top. Uh, We're always dealing with, I'm not saying all perpetrators are bullies, but they tend to have their own opinion and they're not going to change their mind. But this sounds like stuff that uh, kids in junior high, high school should know about as well. Absolutely. And I think there's quite a large body of research that looks at bullying in schoolyards and how bystanders can get involved. Um, Some of the literature in the workplace draws from that um, earlier research. So, um, yeah, and I think you're right. I think that if you're a bully in the schoolyard, you often end up being the bully in the workplace. So the stuff translates for sure. Yeah. Sandy, thanks so much for this. Thanks so much. You can check it out on theconversation.com. Sandy Herskovis is Associate Dean and Future Fund Professor in Equity, Diversity and Inclusion at the University of Calgary.